afternoon, sun mixing with a few arriving clouds around or just over 30. Becoming mostly cloudy tonight, 15 to 20. Sunday, cloudy with a few snow showers, 30 to 35. More clouds than sun on Monday, but likely remaining dry. From the WTBQ Weather Center, I'm WeatherWorks meteorologist John Leo. The opinions expressed in this program reflect only those of the participants and are not necessarily those of the sponsors, management, or staff of WTBQ Radio or FST Broadcasting Corporation. WTBQ. Uh, good morning, everybody. This is Stephen Keeter, and as always, uh, Jay Westervelt uh, here with us in the studio, and you're listening to Free Speech uh, Show. Uh, it's a beautiful morning. It's a uh, holiday season. It's uh, not only that. Today is uh, St. Nicholas Day, and uh, we're going to tell you a little bit more about that. And as always, we're going to keep you more updated on the project of uh, Palpit Rock Inn and uh, uh, those measures of eco-integration that has been designed by uh, our own team. And uh, I think we promised uh, last week, and we had a lucky winner for, to win uh, a sort of a gift from uh, our sponsors from Sam's Meat Warehouse. One of them has been already claimed, and we have one more to offer to our listeners. So if you listen, and uh, once the trivia comes up, the uh, I believe we had uh, anything that can dress up your holiday table, everybody's uh, Christmas favorites, uh, goose, duck, crown roast of pork, or lamb for that matter, uh, beef tenderloin known as a filet mignon, and uh, standing primary roast. So uh, folks, listen and uh, please tune in. And once you know the question, dial up the studio. The number is 845-651-1110. Great. So with that said, uh, I believe uh, it's been become a, a sort of like a tradition for quite some time now. We're featuring the, um, the measures of eco-integration that Pulpit Rock uh, Inn is bringing to Warwick and uh, to the field known as uh, Pulpit uh, Rock. And uh, nobody would know better and uh, describe it better than uh, Jay Westervelt, who designed those uh, measures as uh, part of uh, Vero Verde initiative that's going to be implemented in Pulpit Rock Inn. Oh, thank you, Stephen. And, you know, just for the record, I didn't design the rock, although that's another <laughs> rumor. You never know. Um, hopping back, though, I'm <clears throat> sorry, I was, I was kind of fascinated hearing about St. Nicholas Day because I would assume if someone asked me, hey, man, do you know when St. Nicholas Day is? I'd say, well, yeah, Christmas, isn't it? But it's not. It's today. It, it, it really isn't. Uh, I know that uh, I came uh, from Europe. Uh, I grew up there. And uh, that is widely celebrated in Orthodox uh, Christian religion on uh, December 19, uh, which is today. Today St. Nicholas Day. It's a saint uh, for everybody who's Nick and uh, Nikolai and Mikola, so all those uh, people, they have a saint sort of watching over them. But it's also, I learned something new, that uh, St. Nicholas is also a patron of uh, sailors, merchants, archers, repentant thieves, prostitutes, children, brewers, pawnbrokers, unmarried uh, people, and students. Hua! Uh, <laughs> Great saint. In various cities and countries around Europe. But it is uh, very widely celebrated. Uh, it's either December 6th, depending which calendar you're following, whether it's Gregorian or Julian. Uh, obviously, everything uh, in Orthodox religion is adhered to Julian cal uh, calendar, and uh, thus we celebrate it on December 19th. But it is a man behind the story of Santa Claus, so to speak. And uh, the, the tradition of uh, gift giving originated uh, with the St. Nicholas. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. It's, I remember always going to uh, the St. Nicholas Cathedral uh, in Prague for Christmas. And uh, it's interesting that he's the patron saint of all these sort of uh, repentant sinners and, uh, you know, other dice rollers because... Uh, a lot of the people, as I said uh, last week, you know, who would sit around me seemed to fit that role. It was very interesting to see, you know, this kind of, especially Midnight Mass, uh, as a a privilege. It was really kind of neat. One of the most uh, celebrated saints, I would say, in the Christian religion, uh, dates way back into the f uh, 4th century, uh, was born a uh, quarter of a century after uh, Jesus Christ. Wow. One of the very first has been prosecuted. Uh, and I believe then came uh, back from under uh, Emperor Constantine. Yes. And uh, thus, uh, I believe the first basilic was in Constantinople. Uh, there's a Ukrainian city in Ukraine called Mykolaiv. 
so Mikolaev is was uh, named on after the Saint uh, Nicholas uh, or Saint uh, Mikola. Yep, uh, yeah, yeah. Miklush in Czech. So yeah, this has a very rich history. Uh, a lot of it is uh, absolutely fascinating, and we will share some of it uh, with you, and maybe we'll even make uh, part of the our uh, trivia. Uh, just like you mentioned, it uh, Saint Miklush, and uh, in Czechoslovakia, it's uh, uh, Saint Nicholas and uh, Saint close in uh, Dutch uh, yeah. in uh, Holland so this is how it became that uh, progression to the image and folk uh, character uh, today known as Santa Claus it's really funny and you know he, here in the states we all grew up with the idea of just this you know really jolly uh, jolly old white man who would bring <laughs> us all presents uh, the night before interestingly enough the icons depicting Saint Nicholas uh, so, you know has been proven historically, so to speak, and biologically correct, because these remnants of uh, his has been uh, forensically uh, researched. Yes. And uh, exactly how he depicted uh, on, on uh, many, many uh, icons throughout the Orthodox churches, uh, he, you know, that's exactly how he looked like, uh, you know, like narrow nose and... Uh, dark eyes and right. all those features uh, right that's yep that's always an interesting thing that you know um in, in the present uh remains of historical figures can you know be exhumed and uh dna samples taken and they can work out you know not only the the dna uh, composition of those peoples and therefore the ethnicity and the probable appearance they can even go into the phylogenetics of you know who their relatives were uh, from what part of the world they came before they got there. And it, it's interesting. We see that not only in Europe, but here in the Americas uh, with a lot of our native people and trying to sort out which uh, tribe of Native Americans, you know, originated in what area and then moved somewhere else. And we learn, you know, as we move forward with science, uh, marrying it with history, we learn that everybody moved around a lot more than we ever realized before and that we're such a patchwork um both in the old world and the new it's really a fascinating thing and i, I really find it exciting and for me i mean you know terracing around the step on a horse and seeing these bronze age burial mounds um you know just rock piles everywhere i mean you can see especially because of the big landscape and seeing so far you can see thousands of these a day and these are things that haven't changed in you know certainly uh a good ten thousand years in many cases it's fascinating it's really like strange. with everything else there's a there's a legends that uh, surround uh, you know whether the, the historical character or, or, or event in history and there's also science that can come and uh, sort things out and uh, tell exactly what's true what's not and that's i think that has been our approach to our project and yeah. to pulpit rock uh, site uh, sorting through, making uh, numerous uh, studies and uh, research just to realize and to determine how significant that uh, outcropping is, whether there is, a, in fact, any significance historical or... Because there has been a lot of claims made. Uh, There's always, you know, you'll always encounter anti-science and sometimes... You know, it's the holiday spirit, so I'm, I'm trying to dial it way back as far as uh, mentioning the folks back in the past who opposed it who seem not not to be too present anymore anyway but you know people will always grasp to whatever really aligns with their own belief sometimes they'll or or their own motive and in this case there was a lot of anti-science uh attempted to be applied to it but we've kind of moved past that and thankfully with the help of especially with your team you know with an amazing uh handful of archaeologists biologists um you're in fact your present day uh you've got a guy doing nice wetlands work mm -hmm. a fantastic uh wetland delineator i've seen him out there a few times you, you've really you're you're sort of measuring 10 times and cutting once with your project whereas other projects in the region you know they in fact just last night i was looking over scoping documents in an eaf for a project in neighboring goshen and um, I was thinking, my God, imagine if the Pulpit Rocket project just slid through this easily. And the amazing thing is with your project, dare I say our project, uh, basically 10 acres, one third of that is actually going to have the structure and parking on it. And the other two thirds almost 
will be not only left alone, that would be nice enough to do, but we're going to do tremendous habitat improvement to enrich the habitat value of it and bring in more kinds of plants and animals and uh, you know attract more kinds of animals, but bring in other kinds of plants. Uh, and it's just going to be such a an ecological home run. Um, you know, people cling to stereotypes, they promulgate them in their own ways just because sometimes they can't let go. Um, and uh, I think maybe after the break, we can talk Absolutely. more about that. Sam's Meat Warehouse is a butcher with old-time family values. Remember back in the day when people knew their butcher by name and visiting them was a social experience? They would talk to customers about how to cook a piece of meat to perfection. Sam's combines old world methods with modern techniques. Call your favorite butcher, Sam's, at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. Tune in Monday, December 21st for Bill's Blues Christmas. Bill Iorato from Pex Wines and Spirits will play some great holiday blues music only here, radio worth listening to. Hi, this is Wild Baby Love. Start your Sunday with me at 6 a.m. and Gospel Tracks. I'll give you the phone number to the faith phone line and the address to the website. All that and much, much more right here on Gospel Tracks with yours truly, Wild Baby Love. WTVQ. And we're back with free speech uh, with Stephen Keeter and me, his uh, semi-permanent guest, Jay Westerveld. We're doing a giveaway today, uh, essentially your choice of Christmas dinner. I, I already know what I would pick, uh, but uh, it sounds like Sam's Meat Warehouse has a wide array of really nice high-end uh, meats available. Uh, your choice, if you can get our trivia question. Our first trivia question we ever did here was a little too difficult. The last one was just about right, and I think this one will be too. And, you know, in the spirit of the holidays, a popular thing here in the, uh, certainly in the 20th century, in the earlier part of this century, in Warwick and in the greater area were the the grand restaurants which used to be here. We still have some, but not nearly all those that were around. And this is a cool historical question. We like to keep them historical in Absolutely. Warwick. Absolutely. Uh -huh. And this one's interesting. In Bellevale, New York, which is a hamlet of Warwick, uh, to this day, thankfully, uh, more than 50 years later, we still have the Iron Forge Inn run by the uh, Johansons. And it is a great place if you get a chance to get out there and uh, get some curbside pickup or what have you. But that that is the remaining of Belleville's two major restaurants. Really, there were three, but for now, we're just gonna talk about the two that weren't on the top of Mount Peter. There was one other on the other end going toward Chester, right near the border. Call in with the name of that restaurant. It, it actually had had two different names in time. Just call with either of the two names that that restaurant was known by. It went right into the 1980s, and then it burned down, and uh, you have your choice of whichever Christmas dinner meat from Sam's Warehouse you pick. And the number here, 845-651. Is it? 1110. 1110. And Stephen, you and I have talked a bit about the restaurants around here. We started last program, and uh, obviously uh, this is a very relevant subject. This is uh, everybody's favorite place to go for celebration right now in the holiday season. You know, uh, uh, and I know we celebrated a number of Christmases and New Year's just going out. And uh, I know a lot of people uh, and just getting together with the friends, a lot of corporate uh, outings, uh, you know, used to go through the holiday season. And now, unfortunately, it's not the case. We live in a different uh, reality, so to speak. And uh, I, I think, uh, you know, it, it's important to remember that the people that... Uh, it's the whole industry essentially that's right now is suffering and uh, some of them never going to come back. It's really a shame. Many of them are not going to come back. And <clears throat> while we see bailouts here and there, the restaurant industry is really being hit with a big baseball bat. Locally, what are some of your places? I mean, you've been here for over 20 years. Uh, you've gotten to know the restaurants and all, and I, I know you certainly like food. Uh, I certainly do. <laughs> so uh, I think if we talk in uh, Warwick, 
I think uh, the one place that sort of like comes uh, to, to mind is uh, yesterday, uh, since it has been such a feature, and uh, I know uh, John personally, and uh, uh, something that he mentioned at some point, like really deeply resonated with me. He said that when he moved to Warwick, the main street, uh, the only other restaurant serving uh, drinks, so to speak, in, uh, on the main street was uh, Bert's Tavern. And we know, you know, how historical and how far uh, back uh, that establishment is going. So it's, uh, you know, yesterday became a sort of a, a, a fixture, uh, if you will, of uh, Warwick. So and then, then I've seen a number of, uh, you know, uh, places open and close their doors. G's has been there for a while. Yeah. I know some of the restaurants change hands. I would say one of uh, probably my favorite would be uh, Chateau Hathorn. Uh, oh, sure. Dolph yeah, that's... is a, a, an excellent, excellent uh, chef and a uh, great, great host. Um, Vernon, uh, out of recent ones, I, th- I really enjoy uh, Latour in uh, Vernon. That, sure. uh, that That's the place that boasting the biggest uh, wine cellar in the Northern Hemisphere, or used to anyway. And that's part of sort of Crystal Springs, the Mulvihill Empire, Correct. so to speak. Really. Correct. Sure. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I've, I've been there. I've done some Easter brunches over there and was absolutely blown away. Um, when I was a kid, we'd occasionally go to Chateau. It was a different owner, but he was a Swiss guy, uh, you know, and he's really interesting. Shaven head. Uh, I wish I could remember his name. I, my mom would definitely remember if I... You know, I, I were to ask her, I, I, it always forgets me. But it, it was actually similar to Dolph, but not the same. That's why I get confused. I and uh, he wore an earring. And then we had the Warwick Gardens restaurant near where the um, Warwick Motel is right now. And that was owned by an Austrian fellow who was also a ski instructor at uh, Great Gorge. Back when that was an Austrian ski school, only Austrians, you know, back in the <laughs> 60s and 70s. Very, very interesting background to these restaurants around here. And um, on the top of the hill above Mount Peter, there used to be the Valley View, which that was around into, don't quote me, but I believe into the 80s. I used to eat there a lot. and It was just wonderful overlooking the whole valley, sort of where Belleville Creamery is now, just on the other side, on the very top of the hill. What a view must have been. It was amazing. And honestly, the food was really great. It was dynamite food. Back then, you always had a choice. You had these grand restaurants that were doing well. They were one-offs. They weren't corporate. And, you know, I remember when the barn cider and Sugarloaf, where I grew up, started having trouble. They they first opened in 1980, along with the Sugarloaf Inn back in 1980. I remember um, when New York started getting really rough on the liquor laws and started really outlawing smoking in restaurants and things. In a lot of ways, maybe there was good to that, but it hurt those restaurants. And I remember the proprietor, Matthew Cannon, my friend, telling me, in the bigger picture, and he was not a conspiracy theorist, so don't, don't take this wrong, but he said in the bigger picture, this is just sort of to help the corporate restaurants because they can serve watered down drinks. They don't have to worry about that kind of thing. And it helps them to move in when we, one owner, you know, uh, cottage industry restaurants go under. And that's what happens. Thankfully, the fella from um, Copper Bottom uh, bought the barn cider and made it the, I think it's the Sugarloaf Tap Room. But anyway, they they came back, Sugarloaf Grill Tap something. And uh, they're doing well. But it's it's really a shame to see these places struggling. And I think it's nice when people can make the effort to order a meal typically to go from any of these places. And in Warwick, right on the main drag more than ever, they really need our help, you know? And a lot of these places who were just staying alive, not thriving, but surviving uh, during the warm months with the um, pandemic restrictions. Now they're having trouble because they have to find a way to have limited seating indoors. They can't just sit outside on the sidewalk. And like last night was six degrees Fahrenheit here. You know, it's- Yeah, I I don't know how long somebody would endure that kind of temperatures. Uh, Yeah, it's certainly a different, sort of like uh, model and um, I think everybody's gonna have to adjust we're gonna see a lot of uh, independent restaurants uh, closing their doors um, I know this uh, the the restaurateurs the within a business they got together and I believe they're trying to push like a hundred twenty billion dollar stimulus uh, 
through the Congress. So hopefully the, the government will do something to, to help these folks because the independent restaurant, this is something that uh, create the atmosphere, the homemade uh, feel, uh, the, the meals that, uh, you know, it's not been delivered by Cisco truck. Yeah, well said. Uh, you know, because well said. if I drive by and I see Cisco truck parked outside the restaurant, I can cite you a menu. I, I can tell you what's on it. I can tell you that those desserts they didn't take uh, three hours in the oven to to make. It's like no matter what they fifteen say. seconds in the microwave, right? Yeah, and the Cisco <laughs> rep will show you exactly how to uh, yeah. slap to, that into the microwave. Sure, that that's how they work. So hopefully, yeah, as uh, you know, people do remember better days when the restaurants uh, were thriving in Warwick. Uh, and uh, they remember the history uh, that uh, you know came with it and uh, the name of uh, that uh, establishment that you just mentioned in Belleville. So hopefully there's enough uh, old uh, town uh, war weekends or as we like uh, Wildcat. wildcats that, sure. uh, that would remember the restaurant, uh, maybe even remember the people or the owners. We'll see. Um, it's, you know, it's not a tough question, but it, you just have to wonder if there's you know, enough people from back then here. Um, but regardless of that, you know, we see this is obviously a, a, a national issue and a global issue. Uh, restaurants being closed down. They're sort of the first things to be hit. Ski resorts are being hit really hard. And uh, it was nice last week. We gave away some uh, tickets to Mount Peter, our yep. local ski area. And unfortunately, they have to operate in a really scaled back way. But they're doing really interesting things. They have like UV lights set up and all just to kill uh, airborne virus. They are not skimping at all. And they always offer such an amazing experience. And believe it or not, their food's good. Even though, it, you know, it's ski lodge food, they have great, well, just I think the everybody there. just uh, had a great appetite here. Yeah. You, you out there, I was uh, shoveling the snow the other day. Just uh, the time that it takes you to dig your car out, it's already... Uh, you can uh, work up an ap appetite and, uh, you know, you feel like you had a workout. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fresh air. So, yeah, uh, speaking about restaurants, this is why uh, the project that we're working on and that we proposed does not suggest or we, not, we did not apply to have restaurants on premises. Because I think there's such uh, Warwick is, uh, you know, we have a fair number of uh, really good uh, establishments and uh, we want to give a chance to those business owners to those uh, restaurants owners that uh, whom I personally uh, know to actually get that influx of tourist dollars and uh, tourists uh, rather than taking that business elsewhere to Middletown and Walkill and Woodbury I would like those uh, people to stay in the area and uh, patronize the restaurants that uh, Warwick had for many many years uh, you know uh, it's a shame that some of those uh, restaurants that you just mentioned uh, are already gone and uh, I believe when uh, um, I had a conversation in, uh, I believe, an interview uh, by, uh, I think it was uh, Warwick uh, Green Committee, and uh, they, they were asking, so what, what would you like to see? What, what's your view of what this Main Street should look like? And I think I would like to see more of the same in terms of the same faces, the same uh, businesses the same names, uh, you know, so uh, I don't want to see it as a revolving door. Nicely people said, People coming yeah. in and people coming out, you know, so if that uh, business has been established, has been a, uh, sort of a, a fixture of uh, the main street uh, for, for the last 50 years, I wish it would be stay for another 50. Yeah, likewise. I, I, I think a lot of us echo that, and there are so many amazing places here. You know, it's funny, I don't remember the name of the place, but near the Dunkin' Donuts, there's a, like a a craft brewery place that you know actually uh, the beer the yeah. craft beer mm -hmm. and it seemed like a retail place but they set up old um maple ca uh, oak casks in front with little seats around them so people could sit outside that place is hopping you know yep. i come into town like yeah 10 Even it's colder last night i saw, uh, I saw people uh, sitting outside enjoying uh, that's amazing you know yeah. so everybody's finding ways to adapt and to stay and let's let's hope it's enough but the beautiful thing about the project is it it doesn't present competition to any of these eateries or to these pubs in fact it's the opposite as our little you know unwritten tagline has been when we talk about the project where we are a rising tide uh, raises all ships and that's sort of well no sort of that's absolutely been your approach with this 
And it's interesting that more and more local businesses realize that and they buy in more to the project, which will really help them. When you have people coming into town, you know, Warwick's known for quote unquote day trippers, especially in the summer, the autumn, people come up for the day to get away from the city, do some shopping, you know, have a hot apple cider or just enjoy one of the, you know, cafes, uh, one of the taco places, anything like that. Then they go home. When you have a nice place to stay, those people come back for dinner that night and uh, they, you know, they stay over. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, through the preparation for secret process, through uh, developing and designing the project, uh, you know, the certain number of uh, data that was sort of, uh, you know, appropriate professionals has been mining and uh, producing some numbers. And those numbers, you know, they, they're quite significant. Uh, you know, the, like, for example, I'll give you an example that, uh, the you, you mentioned the day trippers. Yes. Uh, somebody who stays for the day uh, versus somebody who spends a night. So if uh, the people spend the night, they spend also three times the money. And I'm sure the the struggling restaurants, the the in you know in today's uh, climate, uh, or even if not, there's always the more business is always welcome. I can tell you as a business owner, it, it's 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 a. Sort of like a welcome challenge. Uh, you you want to be challenged. You want to. Uh, this is the you know. It's a hard business. Whatever business you're in, it's a hard work. Nothing but work. And um, you know, having more people to appreciate to to come in and to contribute to, to success of that business. That's what it's all about. Yeah, and and um, it's really a funny thing with the project. Uh, you've you've cited that that people spend so much more money. I just have to look at if I go somewhere for the day or if I stay over. I look at my credit card bill, and I don't mean for the lodging, just subtracting that. What I've spent, you know, on peripherals, especially peripheral meals and stuff, is much much higher. And we'd like to see that in Warwick. And it's nice that the uh, county tourism department is is recognizing it and they're helping out. Uh, for sure and uh, they seem to really understand the need for more lodging in this area we've got new york state's number one attraction in this county uh this county actually hosts the number one attraction for this whole state you know the state that has niagara falls the empire state building statue of liberty on and on well right here in little orange county woodbury common as we said uh the last time is the most uh visited i think attraction. legoland might uh, put a question mark on that uh claim so to speak because i think that's going to be a very uh popular uh very uh, you know like uh, popular with people and mostly visited uh international travelers yeah especially yeah and we we've talked about that at length and so to have a boutique hotel over here in Warwick that's a very short little run from Legoland is really going to be helpful. But I think more importantly, uh, just what we'll do with Warwick businesses, because Warwick in itself, I won't say it exists in a vacuum. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm going to try to stop short at saying that it, it has a sort of insular um, a capital profile. But Warwick sort of is its own attraction. It doesn't rely on other attractions in the county at all. You can drive around other towns, other villages, and see you know, some activity. Florida is bustling. Florida is the big up-and-coming village uh, in the county for sure. But you come to Warwick, and it's slamming. You know, there, there's no reason for any of these restaurants to be going under. It shouldn't happen uh, here of all villages. Jay, agree. Yet, uh, like you said, it's a day uh, trippers mostly. It's uh, exactly. people who come into Warwick as a destination in its own right. Yet, uh, the asset that people value most nowadays is time. Yes. And if it takes you four hours, uh, you know, I know we're only 40-something miles north of Manhattan, but with the summer travel, uh, you know, everybody who uh, traveled uh, probably by Sunday afternoon you know, or even that uh, Saturday morning uh, in our direction, you know, knows how difficult and how congested traffic could be. And it takes hours. It takes hours and hours to get here or to get back home. Yeah. So uh, however lovely the place is, I would dread the thought that I'm going to have to spend another four hours in the car, sure. uh, you know, and uh, before I even uh, get uh, somewhere, you know, dinner people usually would like to enjoy a glass of wine at dinner you cannot uh, allow yourself to no. do that uh, you know if you if you still have plans to get back on the road 
So you're cutting your experience short. Uh, so it's, this is why I believe the hotel would be such an asset to the community, such a contribu- contributor to a local uh, economy and commerce. And uh, I hope uh, that, uh, you know, uh, not only from economic standpoint, but uh, we I keep repeating myself, this is going to be superlative in so many ways. Uh, thanks to the, the, some measures that's going to get implemented, that's going to put that hotel on a map and make it one of a kind. Yeah, I mean, we you know we have this beautiful clear palette. Um, the uh, other two thirds of the property that won't be touched by the parking lot by the and the parking lot by the way itself will be all pervious surfaces, which is really nice. Instead of having all this runoff uh, from an impervious parking lot like we typically see uh, in the plan are pervious parking areas which is nice it allows the rainwater to go down you know in between the sort of hexagon not exactly a hex but sort of that lattice work hexagon looking um style we'll talk more about that and some other things uh, after in, in the meantime uh, think about the answer to the question and uh, your chance to win uh, the gift from sam's meat warehouse Sam's Meat Warehouse has been supplying restaurants and shops with the highest quality local and sustainably sourced prime and choice wholesale meat, steaks, poultry, seafood, and much more for over 20 years. Whether you're a small family butcher shop or a busy steakhouse, expect A1 service and the finest products available. Call Sam's at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off Route 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. Hi, this is Tom Fursey. Sing along and relive the memories of the 1980s on The Magic of the 80s. Saturday night, starting at 6 on WTBQ, playing the best music. Magic of the 80s. If you missed the Frank Truett Show, here's what you missed. 1947, Phil Collins. There we go. He actually divorced one of the wives he was married to with a fax. Well, that tells you how long ago he did that, right? Because exactly. nowadays it would be a text. Who uses faxes anyway? Yeah. The Frank Truat Show, weekday mornings till 9 on WTBQ. WTBQ weather. High pressure along the eastern seaboard is bringing a dry but cold start to the weekend. This afternoon, sun mixing with a few arriving clouds around or just over 30. Becoming mostly cloudy tonight, 15 to 20. Sunday, cloudy with a few snow showers, 30 to 35. More clouds than sun on Monday, but likely remaining dry. From the WTBQ Weather Center, I'm WeatherWorks meteorologist John Leo. WTBQ. And <laughs> we're back with free speech. This is Jay Westerveld, uh, semi permanent guest on Stephen Keeter's show. Uh, Stephen's sitting here reading some literature and uh, just joking. So we had that question, trivia question. It was uh, which of the two restaurants in Bellevale, the two major restaurants, is out of business as of the 1980s when it burned down? It was on the Sugarloaf end of Bellevale, very popular place. It had gone through two different names and uh, many sets of management. I'll give two more quick hints. Under the first name, the founders of it, their last name was Binswanger which is very interesting. The Binswangers ran the place uh, right across from the Macefield house. And the second name was kind of Christmassy because it uh, involved a plant that we associate with Christmas. So oh, that's it, a lot of <laughs> that's stopping short of naming the place. Yeah, I mean, I'm I hope like, I hope that's a good enough uh, hint uh, for everybody who's listening and uh, it makes it an easy job of uh, guessing. Uh, sure, but this is the problem. You know, it's like so many places uh, just in the outskirts of New York City, the turnover in this town is kind of dramatic and we you know i i know old timers who are are furious you know especially really old people like i don't recognize one person on main street who are all these city slickers and it's it's funny and it's not funny it's wonderful that the place changes and we have so many more new people that's important for the you know i hate to overuse the word vibrance but we haven't said it in a few weeks you know to get some vibrance to a region but it's nice to have a sense of real history and and history itself doesn't just mean things that happened prior to the revolutionary war 
yes, it's easy. It's easier to talk about those things because we talk about them in the abstract. We didn't experience those times. Our parents didn't. But real history involves the the whole swath of history from way back then to now. We got a signal that somebody's calling in. So, uh, caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Jimmy DeGraw. Jimmy DeGraw. Hey, Jimmy. You know the answer? Oh, he's breaking up. I think he's there, but... Right. Uh, maybe reception is... Uh, Jimmy, are you still with us? Hello? Yes, hold on. Here we go. Yep, we hear you. Is that better? Way better. Way better, Jimmy. So, do you know the answer to the question? I can't hear you, Jimmy. Yeah, Ben, ben Sushi and Steak? I have no idea. I, I made up a steak, but uh, yeah, Jimmy, uh, try to call back. Uh, the, I don't believe the name of either restaurant or, uh, or the same restaurant uh, has a steak in it, does it? No, no. Okay. But he may have just been picking, picking which uh, food he wants. Jim, give us a call back, and uh, if we don't hear from you, we'll send paramedics. Thanks. Well, that's, that was a rough call, but uh, let's give him a chance to call back, and Absolutely. we'll still give other people a chance as well, but Jimmy gets first dibs. Yep. Jimmy uh, gets dibs. No, no, no. And uh, sound very confident, so I hope uh, he does, uh, exception, except the, the reception was uh, kind of spotty, and we didn't have a chance to, you know, to hear the, the right answer. I'm sure Jimmy probably has it. So. Yes, I'm sure of it. Um, so it's, you know, it, it's sad to see so many restaurants doing kind of poorly. If people would just, when we think about things like stimulus, Think about just local tiny stimulus. It sounds like such a cliche, a shop local, you know, but it makes a difference. And it's sure it's not as cheap as Amazon, but it can be a lot more reliable, which is nice. And, um, you know, you're you're helping the merchants. And when that happens, it, it really helps all of us. And during this this season, you can get a lot more unique styles of gifting and stuff by going with local merchants who are more mom and pop than what you'd find again on Amazon and things like that. So try to give it a shot. And especially in terms of eating, even our Chinese restaurants are uh, there. A lot of them do a great job and a lot of them are suffering really, really badly. So just think of that too. You know, we, we always say that's the Jewish Christmas meal in New York is <laughs> a Chin, Chinese dinner. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I stopped by the, to pick up dinner from uh, Long Spring the other day and I saw the announcement and they said, we are open uh, Christmas day till 9 p.m. You got to give credit to those people. And uh, you know, the opening, I believe from one to nine, uh, but to, to stay open on Christmas Day, and uh, I don't. Everybody's cooking, in my opinion. There are yeah. probably going to be some demand, but just to, to to be there for for those who don't, for those who still would like to order out, I think you got to give uh, credit, and you have to support people. And and the food is delicious, by the way. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, it's it is a really funny, sincere old New York tradition, though. That you know. A, a lot of Jewish people, they celebrate uh, Christmas with Chinese food because it's there, it's available, and it's not their holiday. So they're saying, well, you know, let's just have some Chinese food and uh, enjoy this. Well, you know, uh, the peripherals. You know, uh, like uh, we change the uh, sort of uh, outlook, how we celebrate things and which holidays. I'm not uh, certainly not Irish, but I enjoy uh, St. Patrick's Day. I'm up for celebration, uh, whatever you... Uh, you know, the reason you put on the table, celebrating is always fun. Um, you know, so uh, I think it's uh, just like growing up, uh, there was no uh, sort of like Santa Claus uh, in my upbringing, so to speak. It was St. Nicholas, you know, and has much more religious connotation. But at the same time, I, I welcome uh, the traditions of uh, the country we, we live in. And uh, now uh, my, I can't imagine of uh, Christmas without, uh, you know, gift wrapping and shopping. And, uh, you know, because it's such a big part of it. And uh, whatever you celebrate, whether you celebrate Hanukkah, whether you celebrate Christmas, uh, Kwanzaa, and uh, it's, it's all, uh, I, I'm up for uh, celebrating pretty much everything. Yeah, it's, you know... From a globalist perspective, it's it's nice. For me, I, I grew up celebrating Christmas, and um, 
So I, I, I say Merry Christmas because I just feel like I'm being more honest and authentic with myself and with people whom I'm greeting. And, you know, if I'm in, you know, if like if I'm in a Muslim country and people greet me with a the name of a Muslim holiday and it, they do. I'm really excited that I'm being included. I'm excited that they're yeah, sort of- It's never been like, uh, like you would offend somebody's feelings uh, wishing no. somebody a celebration. This is what I'm saying. It's, it's uh, you, whether you celebrate or you don't, that's just uh, sort of like we're celebrating life. We're celebrating- Yeah, uh, I, I don't say happy holidays. I, I mean happy holidays, but I, I cite the holiday of my own upbringing when I say it, and I just say Merry Christmas. I won't say, that, oh, there's a war on Christmas. I mean, to me, that's just as manufactured of a concept. But, you know, it's nice if somebody says to me, Happy Hanukkah during that time. And, you know, I welcome that so, so much. I think uh, our caller, uh, Jimmy, probably didn't get uh, the better signal spot. Uh, Very interesting. So I, I hope it, he it calls is, back. Yeah, it's still available. Uh, the, and I think the, with the, that much information put in, uh, uh, you know, that you offered, I think should be now for people who has been around, who people who lived in Warwick, what was the last time or year the restaurant was in operation? I'm not sure the last year. I know it was still there in the 1980s under the name that would be very Christmassy now because of a plant it was named after. And it's actually had something suggesting that might have been uh, lodging involved. Was that, uh, I think I'm <clears throat> just going to give it, take it a little step further. And uh, I think there was an N. Yeah, in in uh, in the name of the yes, restaurant, right? There was. So uh, I'm guessing there must have been some sort of accommodations. Yes, in fact, that's another thing with a lot of the restaurants that were successful, uh, you know, before the 21st century. A lot of them were inns, even if that wasn't in the title. Certainly, Chateau mm -hmm. uh, at, at one time was. A lot of them sort of became like places where people would just rent an apartment permanently. You know, that worked out better for the owners for a number of reasons. Um, that was a case with the landmark for a long time. In fact, Landmark Inn. You know, that's I see. That's right. That's true. Yeah, very, very I, true. I knew people who lived there. You know, uh, and also people who would just stay there. So you know, a lot of those restaurants then work that way. Your concept is just to have an actual boutique hotel. There hasn't been a boutique hotel or really even an operating hotel in Warwick since the early 20th since century. Since the turn of the century. Uh, no, probably 1950s. 54, 57 okay, was the year so that uh, the Red Swan Inn uh, got burned down. And uh, I think that was the end of that golden era of uh, Gilded Age uh, Warwick hotels. That's a long Which were time. many uh, yeah. at the time. Turn of the century boasted more than half a dozen. That is really amazing. It had to be. And the population, you've said this before, I think, was... Uh, 3,000 people uh, at the time, and uh, it tenfolds uh, today. Yet, uh, and, and uh, you know, we just discussed that people were coming from different, uh, you know, countries and cities, and uh, yet there is not a single hotel. I do believe we have a caller on the line. So, caller, what's your name and where are you calling from? Hi, Jimmy DeGraw out of Middletown. Now we hear you. Thank you Thank for you. calling, Jimmy. Thank you very much. I guess uh, you found a good spot, and we perfectly hear you now. Thank you. Trying to Google it. It's <laughs> AJ Peachy? No. Oh. That's not it. Nope. Not AJ okay. Peachy. I, Close enough, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I did, I did Belleville, and that's what came up. Interesting. At Belleville, New York? Yeah, well, it says Belleville. I, did, I put in for Belleville, New York, and that's what came up. Very interesting. All right, well, we probably still it. have another 10 minutes. Uh, it's more of, a, I guess, of a local history. Uh, Jay, being a president of uh, Sugarloaf Historical Society, maybe uh, you're giving a little bit sort of like a curved ball to our audience. Man, it shouldn't be, but yeah. It shouldn't be, see. right? All right, so uh, it is the same uh, restaurant. Uh, it did later, uh, was known as an inn. And uh, either uh, name... Uh, whether you know first or, or the uh, it got known uh, all the way up until 1980s if you can come up with the name we still have some time and uh, there's a chance to win uh, from our sponsor sam's meat warehouse yeah so, jimmy thank you for calling in uh, there's always uh, google out there so please uh, <laughs> take yeah, another step in it nobody's going to get this one with google those are the kind of questions we this is a local get. history kind yeah. of yeah i believe so anyway uh so yeah getting back to that that restaurant by the way um 
We ate there an awful lot. We were more fond for big family dinners of the Iron Forge Inn, which is still operating now. Obviously, with a the pandemic, they're not operating with you know normal right. seating and things like that. The food is still great. Uh, Eric Johansson, the head chef there and owner, uh, he just still does a great job. And uh, he's, an, he's a really interesting guy, too. He's a great alpine snowboarder. Sounds like we have another call coming in. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? It's uh, apparently laryngitis Frank. Oh, here we go. No. Caller? All right. I guess uh, not this time. So uh, take a chance. uh, Call back. Uh, In the meantime, we're just going to maybe you can tell us a little bit more since uh, it probably takes to be local, to be a wildcat. Uh, in order to know those little morsels of local history that sure, you're bringing up. Sure, today. Yeah, we're getting close to the end of the program, but being that somebody else did call in, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I think in the future, maybe what we should do is have a psychic medium as a guest so they can just tell us who's calling in, what their name is, and hopefully they won't say the answer because they'll know it, but uh, they can tell us the caller stuff. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Jay. Yes? Tim Diltz here. Hey, Mr. Diltz, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. Do you know? You're doing a good job. I we listen to your show quite a lot. Oh, thank you so much. It's uh, well, it, I got it, the answer to that. No way. Yeah, blue spruce in. Good man. Yeah, you, you've got some. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice job. Very nice I job. I think I ate there once. <laughs> oh, yeah. was was something wrong? Uh, no, just never went back. Yeah, no, I know the feeling. I, I ate there as a little kid, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, we should have a bonus question. What was the first framework shop? Uh, (laughs) weather-beaten woodworks. (laughs) Weather-beaten woodworks. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, good memory, Jack. Likewise. Good to hear from you, Tim. Congratulations on your win. And please uh, give a call to our sponsors, 651-6328 to uh, sort of with your choice of a holiday meal from uh, Sam's Meat Warehouse. And just stop in at Sam's. You know where it is. Yeah, yeah. What do I do? Go down and select a roast? Yep. Or just uh, tell (laughs) the guys what you like for Christmas dinner. Oh, that's far out. Thanks a whole lot. Thank you for calling in. Thank you, Tim. All right, so maybe you can now fill the void, and uh, are we going into the uh, break? Oh, boy. Thank you. Sam's Meat Warehouse is a butcher with old-time family values. Remember back in the day when people knew their butcher by name and visiting them was a social experience? They would talk to customers about how to cook a piece of meat to perfection. Sam's combines old-world methods with modern techniques. Call your favorite butcher, Sam's, at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. Hi, it's Paul Ruskevich, Barry Cheney, and John Vero. Orange County legislators on the Thursday morning roundtable, 9 to 10 a.m. Answering all of your questions and concerns on WTBQ, radio worth listening to. This is attorney Bob Kruhulik of the law firm Beatty and Kruhulik, the lawyer guy. Tune in every Tuesday at 12 noon for the latest legal advice and tips. We're taking calls and giving answers to all your legal questions. That's every Tuesday at 12 noon on radio worth listening to. WGHT Pompton Lakes, your community radio station since 1969. And we're back with uh, Free Speech Show. This is Stephen Kira and Jay Westervelt. And I want to thank our callers trying to win uh, the uh, sponsored gift from Sam's Meat Warehouse. Please email the station, taylor at wtbq.com, with the directions so for, to redeem the gifts. Uh, and uh, Jay, you are uh, now that people are listening. Uh, like I'm always excited uh, for the show because I learn something new each and every uh, day. We hear uh, something from local history, something that I would, as in uh, sort of an influx, uh, recent uh, somewhat uh, to Warwick, wouldn't know. Uh, you want to tell us uh, the story of that uh, restaurant and uh, what's the first name of it? Was oh, it was first? It was actually first called the Surfwood. 
which was an interesting name, and the Binswanger family ran it. And that was at a time when, you know, things were more like, uh, it was a, just a, a little more of a sort of cocktail society around here, so to say. You know, it was more like a, a summer place, a movie like that. Um, you know, the, people had a little more disposable income. They were living a little more carefree. And there were just a lot of this sort of brand of restaurant where, you know, highballs were served and uh, a little bit of a, not so much a, such a bougie sort of socialite thing, but just a lot more fun, a lot more late night carousing uh, without a lot of problems or anything. Great place, dynamite food there and great, great seafood. Strangely, even though we're a good hour from the ocean in, uh, you know, in New York or New Jersey, a little more so to the Jersey shore, we always had great seafood places here and the surf wood was wonderful for seafood. Over in Florida, New York, there was, uh, the Village Inn, home of the Twin Lobster. Uh, well, Twin Lobster Tail, but uh, no, no, that's right. He had Twin Lobster as well, and that was just a no great longer there place. Uh, as well, right? No, that and that was out sort of where like Desi's shop is out in that direction, you know, on that road. Uh, it we had so many great seafood places and seafood, really good seafood restaurants are much more difficult to find now. It's a shame we had here in the Village Deep Sea Warwick for a little while. That was really more of a you know a purveyor, um, but they had a uh, an eatery associated with them as well, but it just doesn't happen so much. But that was a really great caller. In fact, uh, Tim Diltz is a very interesting man. He and his wife, Debbie, were two of the founders of the Craft Village uh, presentation of Sugarloaf. Prior to they and their friends um, coming in and hewing out a real Crafts Village out of what was just a dusty little farming hamlet, it was a kind of a boring little place that could have just been paved over in you know within 10 years if they hadn't come in and revisioned it into something really beautiful and interesting and very very authentic where people made their own crafts and they sort of started something real and new sort of like what the project wants to right. do now right uh, sugarloaf is uh, also home to a wide variety of uh, events uh, in its own right they do uh, fairs yes. and uh, is there any hotels in uh, sugarloaf no, uh, and there hadn't been since, you know, really since I was a, a little boy. Even then there, there weren't. The Sugarloaf Inn was a restaurant which was never actually an inn, which is interesting. And they opened in 1980. That appellation of calling things an inn, as we were talking about during the break, it implies, yes, it's got lodging, but often it's just used as an, a name, which which is strange that that's even allowable. I, I don't know if that sort of thing is even allowed anymore. Well, you you know, a planning board might say you can't call it an inn if you don't have lodging. But uh, there was the first Sugarloaf Inn was across the street from the Methodist Church. And when I was a little boy, it was actually uh, an illegal bar. Uh, and it was well known to serve alcohol, but right across from the church, <laughs> it's not supposed to. And uh, that's really what was there. Then it became a, delicate, a series of delicatessens after that. But that's the evolution of these kind of businesses around here. You could write volumes about the taverning industry here, about the restaurant industry. Um, I'm always hoping that you know a local historian who cites this kind of thing might write a volume just about these restaurants, these these taverns, because you know people new to town they just know about Baird's Tavern, which is kind of a 21st century reinvention of something that existed in the 18th century, maybe a, a ways into the 19th century. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you know in my lifetime that wasn't actually an operating bar or tavern or anything. Many others came and went because of a lack of community support, and yes, in some cases the proprietors just maybe weren't as hardworking as they should be. The biggest mistake in the restaurant industry is to say hey, I've got a pension or I've got a regular day job. I think I'll run a restaurant as a side thing. Impossible. It, it is a hard work oh. and uh, you essentially, you married to it. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, there's no on and off switch. It's always on. There's no uh, nine to five. You're always thinking just like uh, being, uh, you know, private business owner, it uh, requires uh, your engagement of 24 seven. And uh, like, like I said, sometimes you don't have time to, for yourself, you don't have time to even, you know, it takes you away from your family. You, you dedicate it. If you are trying to succeed and be successful, that, that takes a lot. That's uh, put a token on, on everything. And the, the really successful uh, restaurateurs are the guys who <clears throat> are there, maybe not until closing, but close to closing at night. And then 
they have that 4 a.m. courage where they're meeting the truck, the purveyor out there at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., unloading meat and things of that, that nature, seafood. Uh, now, uh, speaking about seafood, I might have a little inside knowledge why this, uh, you know, not as popular. Uh, and because seafood is uh, a little bit different. If um, USDA, Department of Agriculture, um, regulates, uh, it's a heavy regulated business. Anything uh, that has to do with the meat, it is so heavily regulated. It has different specs. You you can uh, essentially, I, I can order uh, meat from the sheets of paper and I would know exactly what I'm getting. I don't have to look it in the eyes. I don't have to sniff it. I don't have ah, to poke it. I, gotcha. I know exactly because it, the specs will tell me the exact, how closely trim it, how heavy is the bone, what's the age of the animal, what breed it is. Uh, there's tons and tons of information already in those codes. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't work like that when you come to the fish market. You have to actually sniff it. You have to look it in the eyes. You have to pull the gills out. You have to see the color of it. You have to poke it, see how firm the flesh sure. is. And that is exactly why uh, we don't see that great variety of uh, seafood restaurants because it takes – you have to do it uh, yourself. Like I used to ride to Hunts Point and uh, sure. the Fulton uh, Street Market now – Used to be in uh, at the tip of Manhattan. Now it's in the Bronx. It's in Hunts Point uh, Co-op, and uh, the, it's actually great market. You you see things crawling, and uh, you know that you hardly ever seen uh, even even on TV. Yeah, like uh, I know that. Uh, if anybody's listening, uh, I doubt there's many people out there that saw uh, a live Alaskan crab uh, outside Alaska. You know, usually all we see is frozen and already boiled and parboiled. Uh, but you you could find them in, uh, you could find, uh, you know, uni and you can find sea urchins and you can find uh, even sturgeon. Uh, wow. You know, I grew up and I was familiar with sturgeon, which is here in um, Instead of New York, is not quite a common fish, but yeah, people out there they they fish for it and. Uh, oh yeah, they're making a comeback too in the Hudson in a big way. The market is great, but it takes personal attention and uh, it takes uh, essentially independent, uh, just like independent restaurant owner, independent store owner, to go there, be present, build those relationships, have that network of people who will let you know what's in, what's what's not in, what's good. Otherwise, they will sell you the shrimp that's old enough to vote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that expression. It's it's interesting. I don't know if you've ever been to any of the uh, Chinatown fish yes. markets. Yes, I was. Both the original Manhattan and the later Flushing Chinatown over by, uh, I always say Shea Stadium, but City Field. A lot of exotic stuff like frogs, oh, in, in netted frogs and uh, turtles. and <laughs> Amazing. And that's why I go to them is just to watch for anything interesting. Um, I used to actually take students there. And we used to just, it's kind of interesting. You could sort of do a bio blitz where you're trying to identify all the various crustaceans and stuff and mollusks uh, yep. that, that are for sale there. And then if you know what you're doing and you sort of get the nod, you can't have cameras or anything, you can go into the, what they're actually called uh, galleries. They're the back galleries under the buildings in Chinatown where they sell all kinds of things, which is a bad subject now during this pandemic because... Uh, you know the original uh, rumor sourcing um, the you know the this virus to uh, a wet market, but as far as fish, fresh fish, you see them oh, yeah. there. And I used to go to the South Street Sea Market before nine eleven, and um, I was always amazed at that place again four a.m. when it's really busting. That, that's there. exactly when it comes to life. Oh. You, you you can be there before let's say one in the morning, and there's certainly no reason to be there past six a.m. because uh, <laughs> it's too late. Yeah, it's it really too late. You have to be there. Two to four. Yeah. Two to four to have a first step, first pick. And like you said, some of the Chinese markets and some of even Chinese vendors, they um, carry greatest variety of exotic uh, seafood. It's something really that you, something. Yeah, something you don't even see often. Uh, and it's common. It's just not available. It's just not on your, uh, you know, big box uh, supermarket uh, grocery uh, sort of shelves i can't imagine in this day and age having a restaurant and trying to keep fresh seafood and you know it's like gambling at a, at a point where you're saying gee i wonder if people are really going to go for the scrod today how much should i order i'm not going to do that it, well it comes with experience it comes uh, you, you know you you gauging like right now we constantly uh, this is what we have to do we have to 
uh, keeping a hand on the pulse of the meat market, of the meat being traded as a commodity, because as uh, with everything else, supply and demand, the demand for two items, prime ribs and uh, filet mignons right now through the roof. So are the prices. So we uh, either rely on your network of people that you're doing business for a very, very long time, and you also anticipate it, and you lock in the prices beforehand. Interesting. So you, you put a blanket Very order and you say, I want so many uh, pallets or truckloads of particular item. And you already, they know. In other words, it's not in, in, in your possession yet. It hasn't right. been shipped yet, but you already committed to buy it. And with so many meats, especially uh, beef cuts, aging can be a good thing. But that's never the case with seafood, mm, no. ever. <laughs> doesn't exist. <laughs> no. So that really works against you. I can see that. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's the now that we're talking about the fish and uh, meat, I think uh, I would like to give a nod to our sponsor, to Sam's Meat Warehouse, and let people know that they're still uh, they're still taking orders. It's uh, if you're still not quite sure, there's tons and tons of varieties for Christmas uh, meal and uh, or Hanukkah uh, or whatever. It's, holiday you celebrate uh, give uh, those folks a call they will take good care of you and you can uh, speak to the butcher and uh, pick his brain and uh, they will work with you to get you is exactly what you're looking for uh, so and they carry fish as well frozen variety uh, sure because it's not enough room uh, with sam smith warehouse was born as a extension of much larger wholesale operation and so that was all this meat so we'll see you guys next week we'll uh, free speech show stephen kira and jay westerwald you enjoy uh, your holidays and merry christmas everybody merry christmas It's no secret that people are keeping their vehicles longer and driving them further than ever before. That's why at Leo Cadiz Ford, every new and certified pre-owned vehicle we sell includes a lifetime and unlimited mileage powertrain warranty. Ford, Chevy, Toyota, Honda, we have them all. Any dealership can offer you 0%. Any dealership can talk about their great selection, but only Leo Cadiz Ford can offer you the Cadiz Advantage. As long as you own your vehicle, we have you covered. Engine turbocharger, transmission.